taco bar in the Memorial Stadium press box was flame. Anyway. Uh, it was so good you were eating it cold in the I third quarter. That was quarter. upsetting. Eating cold taco meat in the third quarter of the game. And cold rice. I got a little upset about that, Rethink too. Rethink your decisions. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Indiana Daily Student Football Podcast, your home for all the latest and greatest in IU football news. Cameron Drummond here, joined, as always, by Murphy Wheeler and Sean Mintert, our IU football beat reporters, joining myself, the IDS IU football columnist, coming to you from inside beautiful Franklin Hall to once again talk about IU football, to talk about an IU football victory. 20-16, to 16, they defeated Virginia on Saturday night. We'll talk about everything you needed to know and everything that we learned from watching that game from our perch high in the sky in Memorial Stadium. And we will also get you set for this weekend's matchup against Ball State. But before we get into the X's and O's of things, guys, Murphy, I'll start with you. Just want to know, are you dry yet from the Virginia that's, game? That's exactly what I was going to say. If you were going to ask me how I was doing, I was going to say I'm finally dry. dry yeah. Because that whole weekend, I think I got rained on. The whole weekend. So the Friday night before. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, the Friday night before, I go and cover a high school football game in Paoli, Indiana. Um, it was raining, got delayed by lightning. I had to interview people in the rain, got soaked, had to run across the field. It was muddy. It was terrible. So then I get to the IU football game the next day. As we're walking from where we parked to the stadium, mm-hmm. I get rained on again, like yep. really bad. Like it was pouring you when we got there. You also didn't bring a jacket, though. I didn't bring a jacket. Um, wasn't my smartest decision, but I'll own up to it when I make mistakes. And then on Sunday after that, I went to a Colts game. And as I'm walking out of the stadium, it got rained on again. Yeah. So it was just, I don't know. It was kind of stupid, to be honest, how, how much I actually got rained on. Sean, are you dry? I mean, yeah, I only got rained on once when we were walking to the stadium. I would so. like to know, like, the total amount of rain yeah, that I, ended I up wasn't, on I me. wasn't yeah. covering high school football on Friday night, so I, I managed to. But you could have been well, just you're missing dry. out, let me tell you. You could have just been outside. You could have been just frolicking in the woods. I was not frolicking in the woods. <laughs> I like a good. I was getting. I was getting a, a good night's sleep before a big day of making content. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, the mm-hmm. game didn't start till seven thirty. Well, it was so. still a big day of making content. <laughs> and content we did make from IU's twenty to sixteen victory against the Virginia Cavaliers. We were able to see most of what happened through the the rain soaked uh, press windows there at Memorial Stadium. Hoosiers go to two and zero on the season and. Talking about what happened on the field now, it was a game in which IU kind of took control early on and then ends up hanging on for dear life at the end of base, end of the game, basically, because Virginia is going down the field. Murphy's, like, hitting me on the leg as the Virginia drive continues. You were getting pretty jacked out there because by the end of it, the Cavaliers had, you know, a final play from, like, I think 22 yards out or so to try and win the game. Yeah, no, I, I was – I honestly was expecting Virginia to score um, on that final drive. I don't know what it was. I just kind of had a bad feeling, I guess. Um, and honestly, every time Bryce Perkins ran the ball for Virginia, I expected some, I was just waiting for that big, you right. know, that big rush, that big gain. I think, wasn't it like his first run of the game was his longest? And what, or it yeah, was it was one like 40 some yards. Yeah, 47 yeah. yards. Like their first play from scrimmage. Yeah. And so, like, at that moment, I thought, oh, God, this is going to be, this is going to be hard for them to handle. Um, and they did okay from there, really. But, um, yeah, once he started getting going there on the final drive, I thought, IU's going to have problems, but 
they had a nice defensive stand there at the end. They knocked the ball out of the end zone at the end of the game and uh, ended up getting a pretty nice win, really. Right. You know, it wasn't funny because that drive should have ended maybe two or three plays before the final play of the game because IU had an interception on right. fourth and eight, and I think it was Raheem Lane was who got Raheem flagged. Yeah. For like a really unnecessary yeah. pass interference Blatant. call. He could Blatant have had the interception without doing that. Yeah. yeah. So I don't really know what happened there, but. But yeah, so IU ends up holding on with I think pass was batted out of the end of the end zone, out of the end of the end zone. I yeah. think Jonathan Crawford was one of the guys in there on defense to hold out the victory. But what was just kind of the standout moments of the game for you guys? Obviously, I can't believe we've made it however long we've had to this podcast without saying the name Stevie Scott after a true freshman rushes for two hundred and four yards in his first home game. Yeah, I'd say the big moment for me was that 40-yard touchdown he had in the first half where he took off through the middle and then he just ran away from Virginia's secondary and that that wasn't that breakaway speed wasn't something that he showed against FIU. Yeah. So that that moment I was like, "Whoa, did he just like he put 5 yards of space between him and the last defender?" Like that that was some really impressive speed and then he just continued to just beat Virginia to death on the ground, honestly. I mean, he ended up with 204 yards, three short of the freshman record. It was an incredible performance, and that was definitely the highlight for me, at least. I think what was the term, I don't know if it's what Stevie used or Tom Allen used after the game, but he talked about bulldozing over the Virginia defenders. It was Stevie Scott, yeah. Right, and it literally seemed to be that, you know, on every rush, he wasn't just getting three or four yards, he was getting five or six yards just because he was lowering his shoulder a little bit extra at the end finishing out that run, going for that physicality, which, you know, he's been able to kind of translate from his high school game because he was a linebacker during his high school days in Syracuse, New York, and Tom Allen mentioned on Monday that when they brought him over and added him to the signing class, they thought, oh, if he doesn't work out at running back, he, they could slot him in as a type of backup linebacker. Yeah, no, I mean, he just keeps his feet moving. I mean, he is just hard to bring down. He's obviously huge. He's 6'2", 230, um, and, you know, he just keeps his feet moving, gets those extra yards. He's a downhill runner. Um, you know, he does everything that a guy his size, a running back his size, needs to do um, because they can get a lot of extra yards from that. Um, and, you know, honestly, it was a great game for him overall. I thought he played really well, and I thought, you know, he kind of carried their offense, really. I mean, in the running game, they had to rely on the running game in, a, in you know, conditions like that and the rain and stuff like that just because the passing game – couldn't really get going um, and stuff like that. But um, I thought he played really well, but he did have 31 carries, and mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to see that volume as much moving forward. I mean, maybe we will, you know. But I mean, when you're averaging six and a half yards a carry, right. I don't. I don't really see a problem with him giving the with giving him the ball thirty times a game. I, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that moving forward. Are they going to kind of maybe go back and you know try to pass the ball a little bit more? Are they going to keep relying on Scott until they can't do it anymore and someone catches on? Um, so yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But I will say, you know, just be careful in maybe assuming that this is going to be a normal thing, just because it was it was a weird situation. And it's just his second game, so there's still a lot of time to go for him. Right, and here's the thing about the IU running back situation. Morgan Ellison still suspended indefinitely. Tom Allen mentioned that he meets with him weekly, but still Ellison is barred from any actual football team activities. You have Stevie Scott, who has, I think, 40, or excuse me, 51 rushes between the two games this season against Florida National and Virginia. Hasn't fumbled the ball once, has one touchdown, has all this yardage coming off obviously a career-best game, but behind him, IU really doesn't have 
anyone with Cole Guest having the torn ACL. The only other two players who actually had rushing attempts in the Virginia game were Reese Taylor and Peyton Ramsey. So beyond Scott, IU really doesn't have a number two or understudy or backup, whatever you want to call it, running back at the moment. And is that something that you guys think could, you know, maybe hurt IU going forward if they don't establish that here in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, um, you know, just because you never know what's going to happen with injuries and, and stuff like that. But, you know, Mike Majette is the only other real running back that got a touch yesterday, and it was one catch for negative seven yards. Yeah, I remember um, that catch well. Oh, yeah. Um, I believe it was on a third down. Uh, <laughs> I think you're right, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, not ha- – I mean, it, it's okay to have – you know, I think they should have a main guy, and I think that is going to be Stevie Scott at least for the foreseeable future. But it is nice to kind of have a contingency plan, you know, in case, you know, he gets hurt or, you know, he starts, you know, showing a little signs of wear down the stretch. You know, that's obviously a long way off. Um, but – the fact that there is no real contributor or known contributor um, left in that running back room besides Stevie Scott is a little bit concerning, but as long as Stevie Scott keeps playing well, it shouldn't be that much of a problem. And I think they got a little lucky after losing Ellison and Guest that they had Stevie Scott ready to go. I don't think anybody really expected this from him. Um, you know, Everybody knew what kind of player he was, but just how dynamic he was, no one really expected that, and no one obviously expected him to run for 204 yards. Um, in just his second game. So I think they got a little lucky there. But if something does happen to him, like you said, if there are injuries or anything like that, then it's really thin. And I really don't know where they go from there because then they become a pass-heavy offense. And then at that point – You fall into last year's trap. And also, for better or worse, you don't have a guy with the same passing capabilities as Richard Lago and Peyton Ramsey or Michael Penix Jr. for that matter. Right. And, you know, at that point your running game is probably going to consist of Peyton Ramsey, you know, scrambling or something like that because I just don't think you can rely on any of these other guys. Maybe Reese Taylor is a guy that could do that. Um, I don't know if Ronnie Walker's ever going to get some time this year. I don't know what his situation he's been, is. He's been banged up a bit, you know, coming out of in, from the transition from summer to fall camp and just starting to get back into practice action. But, you know, to that point, he was the guy everyone's attention was on entering the season as maybe an impact freshman. And all of a sudden, it's, you know, the three star out of New York, not the prized four star out of Virginia that's right. kind of taken over IU's running game. And kind of to that point about IU's passing attack. It was fine from Peyton Ramsey on Saturday. I mean, it was fine. No, yeah, honestly, he yeah. played real. He played a good game. Ramsey, Ramsey has done really well this year, and kind of quietly, I would say. I mean, I don't know what you guys think. I know he had a couple of questionable throws. He had one Virginia. really bad throw that he, he ended had, up in the play. Was that the interception? Yeah, we where had he two interceptions, and one of them was like negated by a Virginia penalty. But uh-huh. yeah, and that one was kind of a bad decision. Well, it was, he rolled to his right yeah. and then threw it back across the middle, right? Or right. Something. Like but that. you know. Other than that, I mean, he did go 16 for 22. He had two touchdowns. Yeah, another high completion percentage. Day. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to do that. That's just kind of the quarterback he is. He is a high completion guy. But honestly, I think he has played pretty well, and I don't think he's getting a lot of recognition for it. Well, he has been kind of overshadowed because the first game, the bigger storyline was almost the fact that he split time with Michael Penix <laughs> yeah. Jr. And then the second game, of course, Stevie Scott goes for 200-plus yards. So you don't have – he hasn't had his signature moment or defining moment of the early part of the season yet, and there's probably a decent chance he won't against Ball State either unless he throws for, like, an astronomical amount of yards and maybe three or four TDs just because Ball, Ball State's a wholly unremarkable game in the grand scheme of things. But I use passing attack aside from, you know, 
two or three bad decisions from Ramsey so far hasn't come to hurt them in any way either. And we're going to – in this next game is not going to be that defining moment for Ramsey because right. we're going to see Penix again. You think? I, uh, yeah, I think that we are definitely going to see Penix against yeah. Ball State unless something happens, you know, that Ramsey is just – he can't take him out or something. Yeah. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts then on Penix not playing against Virginia? Well, Tom Allen mentioned at his press conference on Monday that the plan was to play Michael Penix Jr., right. but then they kind of assessed the situation and realized, oh, he's a, you know, obviously a true freshman, very difficult conditions with the slick rainfall. Uh, there was no real point in the game where IU had a super comfortable lead. I mean, especially in the second half, Virginia got touched on the board super early, and it was a four-point lead for IU throughout the rest of the game. So I think it was just maybe a mixture of bad weather conditions and also same principle as bringing Ramsey back in at the end of the FIU game, just being safer rather than sorry. Yeah, and that's, I think, the right decision. I don't think there's any need to, to throw a true freshman out there in bad weather against you know a tougher opponent than FIU um, instead of going with the, with the more experienced guy who's, who's done it before and who I would definitely be more uh, trustful of in that situation. So, you know, and – Ramsey looked fine, so I don't like no one's clamoring for Michael Penix to right. to get in at quarterback anytime soon, at least not that I've heard. So, you know, if if you want to give Penix a shot, that's fine. You can still redshirt him, do whatever. Um, but I mean, I don't if if Ramsey's playing well, I just don't see any reason to take him out of the game. But. Yeah, and I think even I think during the game, Cam, I think I remember you asking me when Ramsey made through that interception down that really bad throw. I think you even asked. You think we see Penix now? And at that point, I said, there's no way you can do that. Just because you can't take a guy out after one mistake, um, you know, in that kind of situation. Just because you can't do that with anybody in sports. You can't do that with any athlete. One mistake and you take him out, that's a completely mental that, – that really messes with them mentally. And I, that's kind of the – I don't think we're going to see a lot of that. If Ramsey makes mistakes, we're not going to see Penix right in right away just because mm-hmm. – you can't do that. And, you know, Ramsey is also a guy that doesn't make a ton of mistakes, so maybe you don't have to worry about that too much. Is that something you learned well during your star days playing basketball at Orleans? Exactly. I didn't have great – listen, <laughs> I know from experience a little bit from basketball, I did not, you know, I did not have very good m- mental – toughness back in the so day you, when i made a mistake i'd really get mad at myself you, murphy wheeler are not mentally tough not when it came to basketball i would get so mad at myself so that's i felt i felt for peyton yeah. ramsey at that you, moment you and peyton ramsey are the same person if you're honest about it no peyton ramsey said he blocks it out that's what good athletes really uh, so do. you weren't a good athlete though. well i'm not playing college basketball am i <laughs> So that's the kind of the IU offensive recap. Uh, just a final point on the offense, actually, real quick. How, concern level about them not scoring in the second half? High, low, non-existent? Low. In those conditions, you know, Ramsey was talking after the game, the balls were waterlogged, uh, which is not an easy thing to deal with. Um, those 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 do get pretty heavy uh, when they get water in them. But, yeah, I I think you kind of take it with a grain of salt. Um just because you had the good performance from Stevie Scott, your defense was good enough, and at the end of the day, it's a win. Yeah. So if you're able to win, you know, Alan said it's a lot easier to fix mistakes after a win. So that's what they'll be looking at this week. Tom Allen also kicked over a trash can. He did. He did. That now was the highlight of the game. That, that was the highlight of the game. I was going to segue into the defense, but let's talk about Tom Allen's trash can actually first. So he kicks over. So he, after the game, he shakes Mendenhall's hand, Bronco Mendenhall, UVA coach, yeah. runs over to like the 15 IU students still for some reason at the game. Right. Why then, you did that, I don't know. 
Sounds like a lit Saturday night. Honestly, me. those are the type of people that probably listen to this podcast. Really? So. Yeah. So hello. <laughs> yeah. So congrats. You? you got a high five from Tom yeah, Allen. Yeah, Allen goes down the student section, which has, if you've never really seen Memorial Stadium, I'm sure most people on this podcast have, so this is irrelevant. But the walls are pretty high from the student section down to the field. So Allen's jumping up, you know, leaping, high-fiving or whatever. Then he gets to, like, the second part of the student section with an even higher wall, and he's just so fired up while delivering the high fives, he just kicks over the trash can, which I didn't think about till I asked him this at the press conference on Monday, was full of water. That is a trash can full of water because it was outside yeah. the whole game. Can we That's get like true. a sports science? Like, what was the velocity of Tom <laughs> Allen's kick? How much power did he have to put on that to knock that over? Yo, Ayu probably has that in their like Honestly, in their conditioning program. That peak power that David oh, Ballou yeah. keeps talking about. David Ballou's got that information. Can we get him over to Cook Hall and get a vertical <laughs> vertical test in too? I'm surprised that thing didn't break his foot or something though, because I tried kicking it's just that plastic. Well, Dude. I tried kicking that trash can over as I was leaving the stadium, and it was full of water, and I didn't well. come close. I don't know if well, you should have said that on the when we oh, can, when that's we not good. <laughs> it's vandalism. I, it Speaking of not great athletes. <laughs> wow. So Tom Allen does that and he was so fired up because that was a win secured by his defense, IU's defense with that final drive stop of Virginia. But really throughout the game, IU's defense was kind of the story, especially the way that Allen said he challenged the defensive line and the linebackers following the FIU game. Even though IU won that game, IU gave up you know far too many rushing yards, far too many third down conversions, far too many drives of 10-plus plays. But aside from the opening Virginia drive of the first half, IU's defense was pretty much lights out. Yeah, I think they were. You know, Again, we talked about the linebackers played a lot better. Um, Damian Willis Jr. had six tackles. Raquan Jones in particular. Raquan Jones was who I was going to point out. He actually played a really nice game. Michael McFadden, freshman, played played a really nice game. Forced to fumble on special teams. Forced to fumble, yeah. So, I mean, they had some guys really – T.D. Roof was another guy that played well. They had some guys really step up in that linebacker group. Um, And then, once again, Jonathan Crawford was pretty consistent. Um, And, you know, other than uh, the court – Bryce Perkins – uh, running for 123 yards, they did a fairly decent job on guys like Jordan Ellis. Yeah, um, Zacchaeus had 15 yards. What's his first name, Murphy? Oh, Ola- oh we Ola- learned this. Alamade. 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 Thank you to cannot remember the guy's Twitter handle off the top. It of It was my something head. like UVA guy one 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 or something. Yeah, it might be a. It might be Alamade's burner account. Ever think about that? Yeah, oh, if, if he's boy. still listening to this podcast now to listen to an IU Ball State preview, you never know. Shout out. Maybe he's he maybe just wants our takes on on the game. Maybe the it's Olamide's burner account for whenever he finds people mispronouncing his name on social media. And all he does is correct it. That's so my theory. It'd be like Col- the Colangelo seventy six. We're gonna scandal. need to look at his tweets. <laughs> That's <laughs> my yeah. theory. Des Bryant got caught with his burner the other day, actually. So, yikes! Yikes! I'm just Can't hoping wait I that never happens make that to mistake. me. <laughs> Points to anyone that finds my burner account. Anyone want to challenge? No. No. Sean, what did you think of the defense? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I thought they were pretty good. Um, you know, you mentioned Bryce Perkins had 123 rushing yards, but 47 of those were on the first play from scrimmage. So after that, they held him to 24 carries for 80-something yards. I'm not doing that math. Um, but Just straight up, we're not doing that math. I just don't want to. Yeah, you're um, good at math. Neither do I, honestly. I get paid to write stories, not do numbers. Do you even um, get paid? Yes. Uh, 
But yeah, you know, I was worried about Jordan Ellis and I was worried about Zacchaeus uh, coming into this game, and, and they did a great job of shutting them down. You know, we saw the secondary make a few plays. They had a few mistakes, but but they made enough plays. You know, they preserved the win at the end. You know, Bryce Perkins had a 50% completion percentage, which partially due to the rain, but, you know, partially due to IU's solid job in, in coverage. So. Yeah, and you also um, didn't have the penalties because I remember distinctly from the FIU game, I think three either DPIs or holding penalties mm-hmm. against Ashawn Riggins. He had none. Yeah, and aside from that final kind yeah. of moment of madness from Raheem Lane, IU secondary was not really penalized or anything like that throughout the night. You know, they played a real the secondary played a really nice game. And like you said, the passing numbers are a little skewed just because of the weather and whatnot. But Perkins went twelve for twenty four, hundred and six yards, um, did throw two touchdowns, but I mean, maybe it's just Perkins' style as a player where he kind of freaks out. He seemed to panic a lot, mm-hmm. and if there wasn't anything immediately available in the first three seconds of the pocket, he was going to tuck it in. Yeah, there were a lot of right. drop-back passes that just looked like quarterback draws. Yeah, it was It was a strange—I don't know. It was a strange—I don't know. Perkins was a strange player, in my yeah. opinion. He saw, He showed some real flashes of like actually being pretty I think. Decent. I think a lot of it had to do with the rain just because you could kind of tell that he wasn't really a passer. Um, just you know his his numbers the last the the previous week weren't weren't really really that special at least passing, and you could kind of tell that he was definitely more of a runner because he was really eager to get out of the pocket. He was really eager to use his legs, and that and that's a good weapon for him. But he just didn't. He never seemed thrilled with the idea of having to throw the ball right. uh, in, in that weather. So he was always looking for for a way to get on the ground and move with his legs. Uh, a final talking point from the game as we we close up our Virginia recap. Just we have to focus on the special teams. Yep. Hayden Whitehead was able to pin Virginia inside their own twenty, inside their own ten on a handful of occasions. Did a solid enough job punting, and especially with the wet conditions, didn't have any high snaps or ball throughs. Through the ball go through his hands. Everybody, <laughs> hold on. Ball. Cam's having a stroke. <laughs> Goodness gracious! Please stand by. <laughs> and field goal kicking wise, though, <laughs> someone take this, please. What do you want to talk about here? Had I'm ex- not following. IU had what a field goal blocked. And an extra point blocked uh-huh. in return for two points. Someone talk about that. So I can stop talking. Cam's sweating over here. He's struggling. He's fanning himself. This is this is unbelievable. I wish we had a camera in here because you're watching a man die on the field right now. This is sad. You're fired. So IU special teams, a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde night, but especially the field cold kicking game and extra point and all that whole process needs to get a lot better. Yeah, no, and I don't know. I didn't really pay attention too much on the two on the miss on the block field goals. Ah, oh, so you weren't um, doing your job. Cool. Right. Neat. And um, I was probably eating some of the mystery meat they had in the yeah, press the, box. The taco bar in the Memorial Stadium <laughs> press box was flame. Anyway, um, it was so good you were eating it cold in the I third. Was that was upsetting. Cold taco meat in the third quarter of the game, and cold rice. I got a little upset about that Rethink too. Rethink your decisions. But. Anyway, I wasn't paying. I didn't get this, you know, a good look at those two block field goals that well. So I don't really know what happened on them. Um, maybe it was just a, you know, some of the weather got to him a little bit. Maybe they just weren't 
very high kicks. Maybe they weren't very good kicks. Tom, I don't know. Tom Allen mentioned that the blocked extra point, which was returned for two points by Virginia, was uh, a breakdown of the offensive line on the field goal attempt. Okay. The pushback from Virginia was you know too strong, and they obviously got penetration. And he said that the missed field goal was a slight mixture of that, but more that the kick from Logan Justice was actually just low. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. That's kind of the one of the main – aspects of this team that I'm still a little wary of just because I really we haven't got a good sample size of Logan Justice yet right. and the he's most of it that we've gotten he's been blocked so I'm not really sure um, where they stand there right now so I, I don't I don't really know yeah he went perfect uh, on extra points in the FIU game and yeah. also hit a field goal right um, but I remember on the uh, on the blocked field goal uh, I think Tom Allen said there was a bad snap, and I think it was a yeah, high the, snap, the and the timing got thrown all, off. It was just all messed up. It was all wonky, but um, and I think someone missed a blocking assignment on the on the extra point. So I'm yeah. not sure if you can. I mean, I think they both might have been low kicks, um, but again, with the weather and and all kind and all the 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 mistakes elsewhere within the special teams unit. Um, it's it's really hard to tell if that's actually going to be an indictment on on Logan Justice or not. So so, the, so that the kicking game, you know, kind of a bit up in the air. We just need a bigger sample size from Logan Justice really to figure out if he's any good or not. You obviously have Charles Campbell, the highly touted recruit, kind of waiting in the shadows there. The punting game, Hayden Whitehead's going to be fine. Had a good game in the rain. Yes, Murphy. I have a question about Charles Campbell. So yes. everybody always kind of talks about every preview I've ever seen of the kicking game. Talks about how Charles Campbell played. In the Army High School All America game. High School All American game. Yeah. I don't think people want to get that mixed up with that he was an All American. Correct. That was the All America game. Yeah, presented by like the U.S. Army. It's not an award, it's basically right. like an invite thing. I think mm-hmm. people get a little mixed up with that. I it's just want to. Kind of like the senior ball. I was literally right. about to say that. But just want to clarify that he was not a, like an All American. Because right. like, I think at first I was even kind of confused right. on yeah, that. I don't even, do they do All Americans in football? Honestly, I have no. School, I'm I think pretty it's sure they broken down maybe by state. Like you're it has state to be. Well, like I know that you many. can do like there's like the state player of the year right. that's like separate from Mr. Football. Yeah, and then there's a national player of the year. Correct. It's like the we the should do some Wendy's, research. The Wendy's High School Heisman. Wendy slaps. You ever do the four for four deal there with like? That's all I do. Yo, that stuff slaps. Thank you, Cam, yeah. for this. Any- for this. A1 content. What was saying? Oh, yeah. So the kicking game up in the air need a bigger sample size. The punting game is going to be fine. We still have seen nothing out of the punt and kick return games, though, from either Jayshon Harris or Mike Majette. Except for the one time that Jayshon almost broke one, but it was actually only a six-yard return against FIU. But we all thought he was about to break yeah. one. Yeah. So that well, he, counts as a touchdown. In he my had opinion. a nice return against Virginia yeah, he got called back. Oh, he did. That's uh-huh. right, yeah. So if it was a penalty, did it really happen, though? No, I don't No, I don't no, think it so. It, that, that was like yeah. – I was – yeah. It's stricken it's from Fugazi. the record. Fugazi. What? Have you never seen The Wolf of Wall Street? No. Well, I, I watched it with my mother once. Oh, I'm sure that was a good experience. Yeah, that's that was mm-hmm. I was that's a whole other psychological thing we need to look into there. Mm-hmm. That can maybe probably a special, explain a maybe lot. Maybe a special of, episode. Yeah. Uh, IU Football Podcast After Dark or something. <laughs> we're just gonna, no, we're just going to dive into your psychological problems, to be honest with you. I have plenty. Yeah, no, that's why I'm saying we need to do that. Excellent. Can't wait for that episode. That'll be a spe- that'll be the you bye need week help. E- that'll be the bye week episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that over the bye week. Yeah, that's what we're gonna do. So moving on to Ball State now, 
Sean Mintert has just previewed the Cardinals. A preview I have. You can find at idsnews.com slash sports. Sean, what are three things we need to know about Ball State? All right. I mean, please don't say the same things that are in your article because that would make people— Boy, it'd be a real shame if I did that, huh? <laughs> that would be a real <laughs> That'd be— so You'd Ball, hate to see that. So Ball State hails from Muncie. Yes, the beautiful town of Muncie, Indiana. Um, a fun thing about Ball State is they were decimated by injuries last year. Their starting quarterback missed the entire season after playing only three games. Their starting running back also missed the season after playing only three games. And James Gilbert, who's a starting running back, has some some – some uh, NFL buzz on him. He's been on the really? Doak Walker Award watch list. He was on it last year before missing the entire season. Um, and then he is on – dang it, I don't have his page pulled up anymore. Wow. He's on the Maxwell Award watch list, I think, um, for this season. So he's a very talented runner. Um, and then Caleb Huntley filled in for him last year, and he's still splitting time in the backfield. He got he had over 1,000 yards in, in Phillip fill-in duty for him but Riley Neal um is their quarterback he is also he's very good they've got a ton of he's from Indiana right yeah he's from Yorktown Yorktown okay which is basically Muncie oh so Um, he's from Lurie right there pretty much yeah um so they've got some talent they went two and ten last year which is not that's not not good um but uh they went four and eight the year before in the in uh that's still not I don't, great. I don't know how to say their coaches. Is it just Mike new? Mike it's new. just new? For the person in his, this podcast, we're going to say it new, and if it's wrong, then we apologize. Okay. Somebody will tell us on Twitter Hopefully. how to say it. Hopefully. Um, so, yeah, they, in his in New's first year in 2016, they went 4-8, and eight, and it looked like they had some returning talent, and they had a shot to kind of improve on that. And then, you know, it all fell apart like three games into the season. They go 2-10. and ten. They just, I think they kind of just punted on that year. Right, and they were really bad in. I'm not sure what division in the MAC they're in, East or West, but they were like bottom of the, the abysmal. Yeah, in the MAC, love me some action. But they are coming. I mean, they look better this year, right? They throttled Central Connecticut State in their opening mm-hmm. game, which like, yeah, it's Central Connecticut State, but like they beat them 44 to six, and then they pushed number eight Notre Dame to the wire while we were getting ready for our IU Virginia game. I think they only lost by eight points and. They had the opportunity to recover an onside kick right at the end of that game to try and you know get a touchdown and two point conversion to force OT. But like they pushed number eight Notre Dame hard. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think that scoreline's a little misleading because Notre Dame was up twenty four to six at the end of the third quarter, and I kind of think they just went to sleep almost, and they they just thought, yeah, this game's over. And then twelve with twelve minutes left. Ball State scored a touchdown to make it twenty-four to thirteen, and then no one scored for eleven and a half, no, ten and a half minutes. So, I I'm not really sure what to make of that game. It might be a one-off for both teams, um, but you know Riley Neal only threw for 180 yards. There, James Gilbert had 72 yards. There weren't like I, no one on Ball State really played particularly well. Yeah. So I think. I think that's more of an indictment on Notre Dame as, you know, as in they shouldn't be the number eight, the team, number eight in the team in the country. They're probably not a top ten team in the country. Shout out Andrew Hussey. Um, yes, hello, Huss Network. We know you're listening. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure how much to read into that game. I mean, obviously Notre Dame is, 
is on a whole nother level from Ball State. Right. So uh, the fact that they they kept it within eight points is good. But I, j- I just don't think Notre Dame played all that well. I don't like no one from Ball State did anything special. So wait a minute, you're telling me Notre Dame's football program's better than Ball State's football <laughs> program? It's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't. I that. know <laughs> you told me no hot takes, but <laughs> well, here we are. At media on Monday, Tom Allen mentioned this, Raquan Jones mentioned this, Jonathan Crawford mentioned this. They said Riley Neal is the best quarterback that IU has faced so far this season, better than the two-headed tandem of Morgan and insert last name here for a guy I forgot from Florida International, as well as Bryce Perkins from Virginia. So they seem to think that Riley Neal is going to at least pose them some kind of problems, maybe a little bit more directly in the passing game since he's more of you know like a pass-heavy quarterback and not quite as mobile as a Perkins was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that he's going to be worse than, like, seven out of the next nine quarterbacks <laughs> that he plays, though. <coughs> so, so probably everyone but whoever plays QB for Rutgers. And, and Purdue. Purdue. Um, But, yeah, I just – I mean, I, I haven't watched any film on the guy or anything, but his, his, you know, performance against Central Connecticut State, which I don't know, but I'm not taking it that seriously because it's Central Connecticut State – but, you know, he he has started pretty much every time he's been healthy. You know, he started nine games as a freshman. He started 11 games as a sophomore. He missed that big game. Or wait, no, that wasn't that year. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> but he missed he missed a game against their toughest opponent uh, as a sophomore against Western Michigan. Um, so, you know, when he's not hurt, yeah, he's the best quarterback on their team. Um, but being the best quarterback on Ball State, there's a pretty hard ceiling on what you can do. I wouldn't just write off Central Connecticut State right away. They got a big game this weekend against Columbia. Ooh. I, think the I just looked that, up. Is College Game Day going to go yeah, there? Yeah, the, the winner gets are. a dictionary. I looked up Central Connecticut State University on Wikipedia. The Blue Devils. The Blue Devils. Um, they were established in 1849. Well. Um, their president's name is Zolma R. Toro Ramos. So that's all you need to know right there. Well, on that note, Ball State has a wide receiver with two touchdown pass or two touchdown catches. What's his name? Anyone? Oh. Yeah, oh. Johannes. I know it? this. Yeah, it's Johannes Tyler. <laughs> is that the best name we've had so far this year? I think it's better it, than uh, Napoleon. Napoleon Maxwell. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I think Johannes has that one beat. Because it's like yo apostrophe, and then the apostrophe Heinz, Heinz like ketchup. Well, I was going to say Heinz 57 sauce since ketchup is an abomination. All right. I think Heinz makes How about you chill too. out? Heinz Ket- makes like everything. They make ranch. They make mustard. They make, oh, I've had their ranch before. It's not bad. Ketchup, ranch, ranch tastes the same. Ketchup everywhere. sucks. I this would, podcast is brought to you by Heinz. <laughs> I would like to no be, free ads. I would like to be Unnamed ketchup ranch. brand. Ketchup sucks, though. You it's, need to slow down. Bad. Ketchup's fine. Ketchup, you need to slow it down. It's fine. Ranch, that's where it's at. I'm not well, telling sure, you to just but like, drink ketchup, but this like, podcast it's is fine. brought. I will drink ranch on this podcast. Do it. Okay. This is re- recorded. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have you down. You will drink ranch. Next He's going to cut this out. We no, already next know. Next week we will come into the booth and I will drink ranch. Okay, do it. How much ranch? As much as I want. No, I'll decide. Okay, yeah. I'll take a I think shot it has. No. no. Ooh, that's weak. I'll decide. Yeah. All right. I, what have I got myself into? Yep. A gallon. So that's what Ball State's oh, looking like for IU this upcoming looking weekend. Looking like a gallon of ranch. <laughs> <laughs>
And, he, and beyond what their offense can do beyond Riley Neal at quarterback, is there any potential problems you see for the Hoosiers against Ball State, or should this just really be a straightforward performance? This should be a straightforward game. I, I mean, think they I, should people, win. People want to get worked up about Ball State holding Notre Dame close and IU beating in Virginia by four. IU is also, I think, a 15-point favorite at the time being. And that's warranted. Um, you know, all in all, IU's looked fairly good to start the year. Um, we're on track for eight and four, so baby. We're on track for twelve and zero. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, anything other than a straightforward win would be pretty surprising to me. Same thing for you, Murphy. Yeah, no, I think they should definitely win. I I don't think there's going to be any question really. I think they might. Ball State might be under that 15-point favorite. They might make it a two-touchdown well, game, failed something like that. failed to cover its first two games this year because FIU covered and UVA yeah, covered. I, think they, I don't know if they'll cover this time either. Which I think funny. it'll be like a 14-point game, though, or something like that. Well, it's It'll funny because be the guys on college game day, Desmond Howard in particular— They keep is, picking against Indiana. They keep winning, though, because the whole point of the well, Superdog yeah. segment is to pick someone that's going to cover the spread. True. So they're 2-0 and in that regard. Well, also, I don't know how uh, a six-and-a-half-point spread qualifies as a Superdog. That seems cheating. I don't know how game day's not in town this week for IU Ball State, honestly. That's a good question. Where are they at? They're in uh, Oklahoma, or, uh, Ohio State TCU. Yeah, they're in, in Fort Worth. They're in my Fort neck Worth. of the woods. Sundance mm. Square, Fort Worth, Texas. Congrats. Thank I don't you. know. Yeah. Good job to your state that you're not in right now. Hey, thank you. I'll take that, take that to heart. All right, so who wants to do fourth and one this week? Sean. All right, yeah. All right. Murphy ran the gauntlet last week. So. That's right. And you did it great. Like you said, you were de- you were still dehydrated when you did it last week, and you performed with flying colors. I'm not dehydrated now because I got rained on a bunch. That's not how it works. <laughs> oh. That's not oh. how water works. Oh. Absorption. That's No, that's how you get your water. Did you guys learn the water cycle in elementary um, school? Yes. Evaporation, precipitation, accumulation. Oh, I actually forgot one. Oh, my God. I learned. No. Mitochondria was the powerhouse of the That's cell. Right. Oh, right, That's right. Okay. Chlorophyll, chloroplasty, something like that, right? I was never a scientist. Chlorophyll. Kid. Yeah. Chlorophyll guys over here talking about <laughs> God knows what. <laughs> That's Billy Madison, if you didn't know. Like, this, this is a really off the rails episode by our lofty standards. Did you expect anything else? Well, yeah, we're talking about Ball State IU, so I guess we were exactly. going to go off track once or twice. All right. Let's do fourth and one. Fourth and one. Yes. I've been waiting all day to do this. One minute on the clock. How many rushing yards will Stevie Scott have for the Hoosiers this weekend against Ball State? 135. And how – what's the breakdown of that? Most in the first half, most in the second half? Uh, I'm going to say pretty even split, maybe a little more in the first half. How many touchdown passes will Peyton Ramsey throw for? Two or fewer, three or more? Three or more. And how – what's the breakdown of that, too? Uh, most of them in the first half, and then we might see a little little Penix action in the in the in the second half. Will I you make a field goal in this game? I'm gonna say yes. It'll be inside of thirty yards from I'm guessing Justice Logan Justice. All right, final question: What will the meat be provided in the media <laughs> room like press meal? Will it be chicken or any other type of meat? Um, chicken. Can't go wrong with chicken. I yeah. say chicken. Everyone like, that was like 50 seconds, and I was trying to draw yeah, that I'm out. A speed too. demon. Okay, fourth and one is now going to be like fourth and half a yard or something because y'all are going through this too quick. Well, it was your idea. Yeah. The I, game was your yeah, idea. You Genius. More. You just you were just giving. What are you saying? I had to go for the. T- what are you trying to say? I you don't were know. giving me answers where I could just say one number. Yeah. And that then... was, okay. So let's. Uh, there were four. 
Ooh, that was a close one again. That was poor phrasing on my part for questions, so I'll own up to that one. Yeah. Give uh, me a talk about question next time. <laughs> <laughs> shout out Craig Furman, who definitely listens to this podcast. I guarantee it. Had a great gamer. He knows it. Yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, before we head off, um, any other news and notes from around the college football world you want to draw attention to from around the Big Ten? Purdue's 0-2. Purdue is 0-2, and they lost it. They Eastern lost at Michigan. home to a MAC team, so that's uh-huh. put IU on upset alert and big old red caps. No. No, it won't. Purdue <laughs> looks really bad. Purdue yeah, they look bad. bad. Other really. Outside of Rondale Moore, there isn't much yeah, there. The defense really, is yeah. – yeah. The defense was a question mark going into their season, and it's not, not – you know, people were sort of giving themselves false hope about that defense, and it's it's not been good. Yeah, and around the Big Ten, there's a couple, I mean, obviously the Ohio State um, TCU game is where game day is, so it's the big national game, so that's the biggest game, you know, regarding a Big Ten team. Uh, what else? Rutgers is going to Kansas. That oh, is that's the game that's of the week. The right. worst. Why game is game I day not possibly there? I screenshotted um, the StubHub page for that game and sent it to my friends because I was trying to convince them to drive with me to Lawrence, Kansas, to buy twelve dollars tickets to be on the first row for Rutgers, Kansas, because I love Rutgers, Kansas. I so think much. the only worse drive than Bloomington to Miami <laughs> is Bloomington to Lawrence. To Lawrence. Well, that's for, for multiple any reason. reasons for you. For any reason. So Rutgers, Kansas is happening at noon on Saturday, so I'll be kind of half watching that and half watching, you know, IU Ball State. We also have my SMU ponies at the big house. To They're take on your Michigan. SMU ponies? They are my SMU ponies. That's Dallas, man. Okay. And then Penn State is also at home to Kent suburban State. Suburban elite over here. <laughs> I am not the suburban elite. Well, you said you were on our last yeah, podcast. Yeah, you actually did. <laughs> I have to defend myself from the suburban elites every day growing up in the – Jeez, okay. oh God! Jeez, oh, right, let's get out of this podcast. <laughs> this <is> ridiculous. <laughs> Score predictions, Murphy, then Sean um, for the game that we will be attending. Not Rutgers, can actually know it. Forget it. Rutgers, Kansas. Score predictions. No, I'm not. Yes, we're okay. score predicting Rutgers, Kansas. Um, it's gonna be okay. So we're doing Rutgers, Kansas. We're actually score predicting Rutgers, Kansas. It's going yes. to be Rutgers wins two to zero. <laughs> See, we're not gonna be serious about this then. <sighs> That's a realistic score. Honestly, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say Rutgers wins twelve to seven. Rutgers kicks four field goals. I'll take Rutgers seventeen fourteen. Down to the wire though. A shootout. <laughs> That'll probably hit the over. Honestly. <laughs> all right, now Ball State IU. Um, IU for all of us. I'm guessing probably. Yeah, I'll go. I'm gonna say Ball State like gets some garbage time scores maybe, yeah. and end up. IU wins 37-24. It's a score. Um All right, give me Boston or uh No. <laughs> Whoa. Sound the claxon. <laughs> 10 minutes after I said this should be a straightforward win. No. Um IU wins 30 to 7. I think it's pretty easy. Ball State wow. scores a garbage time touchdown. touchdown. It's essentially a shutout for IU's defense. I mean, IU had two of those last season, granted. I think one was the FCS opponent and one was Rutgers. Uh, so I'll take IU 31 to 10, hopefully in a game that features lots of rushing and goes by relatively quickly. Uh, I mean, weather shouldn't be a factor. It's going to be 85 degrees at noon for kickoff in Bloomington, but I think the Hoosiers take care of business relatively easily. And you know, maybe it's a bit of a trap game, or people will call it a trap game with Michigan State and the battle for the old brass platoon looming next Saturday night. But they really shouldn't have any difficulty with Ball State, even though Notre Dame did. And like Sean mentioned, that was a little bit more of Notre Dame, Notre Dame taking the foot off the gas more than anything else. 
All right, so I think we finally reached the end here. Any final thoughts from anyone? It's been all over the place. I mean, more than usual. I, I again with this IU program, just don't sleep on Ball State. Like again, like I said that about Florida International, and like this team's not as good as Florida International right. was. But I mean, I mean, don't sleep on anybody. Obviously, but Ball State's their worst non-conference game for a reason. Yeah, and it's an in-state thing, right. you know. So you never know. Hasn't Ball State? I mean, from an, I mean, I haven't been in Indiana, you know, for like most of my life. Hasn't Ball State ha- had kind of like a little bit of a hex on the IU program? Yeah, I mean, I they upset them. I can't remember when it when it was. Now I don't know. It was like Kevin Wilson's. I don't remember. Maybe his first year when they it won was something 11. like that, and they yeah. they Ball State came to IU and won, I believe. Oh, so they took the paycheck and yeah, and cashed in on the win too. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, IU really shouldn't have any problems with this game. I think yeah, it's I should. The consensus from the group. Feel free to sleep on Ball State, to be honest, because <laughs> well, as long as none of us sleep through the game, I think we should be in. I might. Like, oh, well, man, it is a nooner, isn't it? It's a nooner. We love the nooners here, but. So that'll do it, and like Sean just mentioned, it's a nooner, 12 p.m. kickoff from Memorial Stadium. Believe the game is on BTN because it I is. cannot believe ESPN would put it on their airwaves. IU and Ball State, the Hoosiers looking to move to 3-0 ahead of conference play, opening up against Michigan, Michigan State while Ball State tries to have another famous day in Bloomington and improve to 2-1 and one this season. Of course, for all your game coverage, you can visit IDSnews.com. We'll have the live blog, as always, running up throughout the game. We'll have post-game columns, post-game content. We'll be you know, throwing uh, Tom Allen's post-game press conference on Twitter, Periscope, as well. So be sure to check that out. And be sure to keep us uh, locked and keep it followed on IDSnews.com for all your IU football content. Thanks so much.